Somebody that uh, I know knows a thing or two about presidential running mates, as evidenced by a lot of the books that he's written over the years, is New York Times bestselling author, the co-anchor of Fox and Friends, and nationally syndicated radio talk show host Brian Kilmeade, who's now killing it ratings-wise on the weekends as well on Brian Kilmeade's America. Brian, it's great to talk with you. Super Bowl Eve Eve. Uh, real, real fun to be able to chat with you uh, just a few days before the big game. Right. I'm going. Uh, I'll be leaving today. So, uh, I mean, next show will be, I'll be in Arizona doing Friday show and Monday show. Awesome. That's going to be fun. Now, you've been to how many Super Bowls? About 23. 24. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Hey, so give me your uh, prediction and your hope to the extent that you have one. Uh, I, I could, you know, I'm not in, I'm into the game, but I, I don't care who wins. Mm-hmm. I just find it hard to believe that the Eagles will lose. I mean, they're by far the best overall roster. I mean, literally one loss despite losing their starting quarterback for three games. Uh, and the way they've looked in the playoffs, dismantling the Giants and uh, San Francisco lost all quarterbacks, but they just look so solid. <clears throat> so so that's, and, the, and, that's the Kilmeade smart money prediction, bet on the Eagles. I just can't see it any other way. and that, And for some reason... It, they like to, uh, the Eagles fans are getting ready to climb poles. That's their biggest word. <laughs> Why you would climb a pole when you win, I just can't make head, heads or tails of this. You know, the, we were talking before, they have uh, announced that schools are starting two hours later in Philadelphia on Monday, win, lose, or draw. Kansas City schools are starting on time. What do you think of that? Should, uh, should schools be delaying or, or suspending operations? In your city? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that's kind of cool. But let, make them stay an extra hour. Uh, I do think it's kind of cool. I mean, you do want to have something to bond your city together, whether it's, you know, the Chiefs or, or Eagles. I think it's a, it's a cool moment. So if you can get everybody talking about one thing, I think it's – and I think it helps sell the team in the community. The Eagles don't need any sales, neither do uh, the Chiefs. But I'm okay with that. You were all over the State of the Union coverage, uh, working mornings, working middays. Clearly not enough for you. You wanted to uh, make sure you were working in the evening as well. You did a panel where you uh, spent some time with some voters. And if people didn't see the panel, you uh, basically took their their thoughts on the State of the Union address from President Biden. Here was, for instance, conservative voter Madeline Brame during the voters panel. Uh, Let's start with you, Madeline. Uh, when you have the majority of Democrats who say the current president, even after that strong midterm from his party, don't want him to run again, what do you say to that? What I say to it is that um, each individual American voter needs to look at their real life situation, all right, and decide if they are better off than what they were four years ago. Right. Okay. Um, I personally don't feel that he should run again. We need a strong leader. We need someone who is going to go in there and shake things up and rock the boat and clean it from the top to the bottom. So, Brian, I watched the whole thing. I thought it was a great discussion. Anything about the panel discussion and the panel's observations that surprised you? Yeah. I mean, that woman in particular from Manhattan had to move out to Freeport, Long Island. uh, And she said, I've gone from poor to dirt poor. Mm. And uh, great bookers, by the way, uh, far enough to, to get this story. And I said, what's going on? She goes, I, I, I'm making the same money. I, I just can't afford every Everything is more expensive. And she is beyond stress. And I was just talking to her in the break. And 
She say these people talk. They have nothing to do with us. They say they totally don't get it, and that's the problem. So he gets up there and names all these jobs and said the unemployment rate and talks about inflation is is beginning to go down, and that makes it seem like you're totally disconnected. You're not listening to me. I'm telling you, I have less money. I I shop. I walk out with less products, and I uh, I have a harder time making ends meet. And there's just no idea. These opportunities are not there for me. And she's trying to explain it. And then she has one son killed by fentanyl. Mm. And another one just says, I'm joining the military. And she had a little army button on. So when the president of the United States just yells out fentanyl in a stat, what was yelled back to him is the border in China as if they don't see it. So if you're that woman in Freeport, Long Island, you don't want to hear, I don't want my kid to die of fentanyl. Her kid's dead already. And where did it come from? Through the border. Why is it coming? Because China's giving the product, the cartels are are mass producing it, and then they're ferrying it across the border. And then you say that your lack of border policy is the the big problem is Republicans don't want to do reform and don't like foreigners or, or white supremacists. That woman in Freeport looks around and goes, what are you guys even talking about? I, I need to know, you know, a lot of these people would, would find so insidious. When you do heroin, when you die of cocaine, when you have an overdose, those are choices. Mm. A lot of people have no idea there's fentanyl's in what they normally would be over-the-counter drugs, but Ritalin or the thing, different things you take for ADD or some type of amphetamine. A lot of people want to just study more, and that's what's wiping out middle class and uh, and other people just looking for recreational drugs. It's killing them. One and done. No, I mean, more people dying of these drug overdoses every year than died in the entire Vietnam War. It's really it's really just to, to say it's disconcerting is a, a tremendous understatement. So what did you think of the speech uh, beyond the substance, which is clear you found uh, pretty lacking? What did you think of uh, the delivery and kind of the showmanship aspect of it? A um, couple of things, you know, it it the the yell, making it like the House of Commons probably not a positive development, but I had no problem when they really lost it when they said you're trying to sunset uh, Social Security and Medicare because they watched Paul Ryan and that whole storyline be impossible to catch up to eight years ago with uh, with Mitt Romney as if Paul Ryan wants to reform entitlements that means he doesn't like old people and that was one of the reasons Barack Obama was able to get another four years. And then they took Rick Scott uh, from uh, from Florida and they took his plan that he said we have to reevaluate entitlements, which we all know has to happen. But politically, it's a third rail with Medicare uh, as well as Social Security. And they go, that's your policy. Well, no one signed on to that policy. That's Rick Scott, the businessman, trying to reform things, whether you think it's right or not. Then they have a congressman from Texas who comes out and says we should have a fair tax. Everyone pays 20 percent. And that's not popular, but that was his idea of bringing it forward, trying to balance the budget. They made that the Republican event. And then he doubled and tripled it down. He brought Rick Scott's paperwork with him yesterday in Wisconsin. And I'm sure he's going to bring it up again. But you heard it last night, 27 million people. When he said that, you heard people say it's not true. And then go, OK, OK, it's true. So, OK, it's not true. So let's just say that we're not going to touch it. So now at least those 27 million, everybody who paid the clips will know the Republic, where Republicans stand. Did you think the issues that he chose to focus on and the manner in which he chose to focus on uh, on them was an indication that he is indeed running in 2024? Yes. No question. They sits down with 
Judy Woodruff of PBS, and he basically is running. I mean, there's no way he's not running unless he has some type of physical thing happen. But there's no way he's not running. Then when asked, well, you know, the polls say they don't want you to run. The polls say people think we're on the wrong track. He said his quote is unbelievable. He just dismissed all polling. And by the way, they're going to cite polls as they always do when they like them. He says that's just 50 people on cell phones getting phone calls, and all of a sudden that's how people think. That's how, you know, we don't look at the polls anymore. Okay, good luck with that. Let's just see how that goes. Is in some ways the best thing that Biden has going for him internally, because as you mentioned, the majority of Democrats would prefer another candidate. But in some ways, is the best thing that Biden has going for him the fact that he beat Trump previously and Trump is currently the leading presidential candidate among Republicans? I mean, that's what he wants. He wants Trump to be the nominee, and he's going to beat him again. I'm the only one who can do it and save the world from uh, four more years of Donald Trump. So that's what he has to run on. If Trump, it becomes clear that Trump's not going to get the nomination, there's going to be panic among Democrats. Mm. You know, he does match up with Trump. You know, uh, even though head-to-head, the lies, he was able to pull off that debate saying the laptop wasn't his, knowing very well it was all about his business deals and his son. He had no, no problem lying, but no one cared about it. Chris Wallace jumped in, saved Joe Biden multiple times. They missed the second debate, the third debate, the cake was baked. Um, and he never had the campaign. So I think they'll panic if it doesn't look like Donald Trump is going to get the nomination. And the problem is uh, Trump's policy has never been more popular. But Trump doing what he did the other day, I can't back up. What, going Taking after a picture DeSantis? Of a 24 year. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on. That's the January 6th mentality. That's a, well, I lost, so I'm going to blow everybody up. Now, there's nothing wrong with that picture. It probably helps uh, DeSantis get that out early. He was a young teacher teaching in a high school. And some people quoted there say, it was a picture of me with my teacher. So they're like, are you green? And the subtitle was, was he grooming them? So, I mean, that's that's so asinine. I can't even get my head around it. You know, uh, the the Republican response by Sarah Huckabee Sanders is getting uh, pretty high marks. I do wonder, though, about her her emphasis on cultural issues and so-called culture war issues. A lot of people are comparing it to Pat Buchanan's uh, Republican convention speech in 92. And would she have been better off focusing more on the kind of economic bread and butter issues, uh, the kind of issues that you say voters like Madeline Brame were interested in hearing more about? I don't know, uh, Frank. I, I, I liked it because it is the crazy. I mean, we are talking about should men be transgender uh, teens be allowed to compete uh, in girls' sports. That is a major issue. We just had the surfing league. Um, Bethany, who lost that arm to a shark, she's like, I'm out. Uh, we have uh, swimmers like Dara Torres was just on our show and others saying, I don't want to swim against transgender women. They're, now they're going to be uh, coming into soccer. Uh, we have a soccer. So this is a big, big issue. And then when you talk about education, it's a huge issue. K through 12, uh, 70% of people are engaged. They want to take a, evaluate, personally get involved with K through 12 education. So I have really no problem with it. It's some of the stuff we're talking about. Uh, oil and gas and going green, and that's cultural, but that's practical. So I, I really thought she was a really good mix. I think it was really well written. And, and to me... Eight years, we're going to be talking about this pretty consistently, but in eight years after two years, if she's able to make a difference in that state, and that state needs help in education and and the economic factor, and she's got her dad and all these experience, if she's able to turn around that state and get it to go, 
uh, better than Asa Hutchinson did, who's probably going to run for president, too. You're going to be talking about her as like a mini Margaret Thatcher. I mean, mm. she'll be the same age as Barack Obama. She'll have the Washington experience. She'll have the uh, governor experience. Um, she understands, obviously, how to handle the press, knows how to handle personal attacks um, about her weight and looks, With as we know, do at the Washington Correspondents' Dinner, has a mom. Uh, uh, you know, she's got in with the Trump people. Liked by the non-Trump people. Right. No, absolutely. She'd be very formidable uh, come, uh, say, 2028 or 2032. No doubt about it. Hey, um, in terms of 2024, one of the candidates that's getting a lot of attention now is Chris Sununu. And obviously the fact that he's from New Hampshire can't be ignored for whatever you want to put the stock in polling at this point. Paul had him uh, running third in New Hampshire. Is there a scenario in which you could see a Governor Sununu pulling off an upset in New Hampshire and maybe getting a, a shot in the arm for his presidential candidacy? Listen, uh, I, I, we, I think I told you this last week. He was in three weeks ago, and we had lunch, me, Martha McCallum, and him. And I've known him for a while. I did a feature with him right before the pandemic, and his dad was a contributor on the show. Hmm. I, he's formidable, and I believe that he more than likely wins New Hampshire. People really? love him there. Yeah, wow. they love him. Uh, he told me, too, he was invited over to Kenny Bunkport, met with Bush 43. He said he didn't really know them too well, knew his dad well, and they spent hours together talking about a possible campaign. He's already taken on DeSantis, so I thought DeSantis should stop with Disney, stop with the woke stuff. That's not your job as governor. He also thought that you know, he said some things about DeSantis' impersonability. He said, I like Trump, but there's no way he can win. So uh, I don't think he should run. And he said, I will make sure that Republicans get the right candidate because whether it's me or somebody else, because we can't lose again. And then he started talking about his business background, what got him into it, what is it like, how he talks to people. Um, I'm thinking, you know, he's not an egomaniac. He's like, I would prefer a better candidate than me. But right now... He's really considering it, wow. and I'll fill. I'll use his. I'll, I'll fill in the blank because he thinks he is pretty solid. Uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. Hey, who paid for that lunch? Believe it or not, we did Dutch because he cannot pay for our lunch, and I can't pay for his. Uh, okay, well, if yeah, yeah, I mean, it was kind of weird. I go, listen, you're right here in New York, and then we're hanging out afterwards. And he goes, "Where are you going now?" I got, I got, I go, I got to do, do the show. Uh, the weekend show, I have to do a pre-tape. He goes, who are you doing? I go, Rob Schneider. He said, can I come? I'd lo-, he goes, I'd love to meet him. <laughs> so I go, okay. You know, he's a big guy too. So Rob Schneider's about 5'4". And he comes in. He's, I go, Rob, this is governor of uh, New Hampshire. And he, Rob said, okay. And they hit it off in the green room. That is, uh, that is really something. That's funny. Hey, what's coming up on Fox and Friends? What's coming up on radio? Um, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, the hearings yesterday on Twitter uh, what was said, what wasn't said, I think is important. The president of the United States finally sat down and did an interview. He was barely awake, but he said something stunning. First, he said, I talked to President Xi. And they said, you talked to him since the balloon is? He goes, no, I've talked to him before. It's not a big deal. He goes, well, they're saying that they want their balloon back, and this is a big deal. He's like, I don't think so. What, what kind of answer is that? Uh, I'll talk about that. Also, Hunter Biden. Now we have uh, an email showing that he was setting up an office with a Chinese interpreter with another partnership to do, do uh, equity, set up equity deals in China. That is a new uh, revelation, the latest on the on the Super Bowl, too. So we'll uh, discuss all those things um, uh, coming up.
Outstanding. Brian, it is always a treat to talk with you. Uh, you make all of our Thursdays, even though it's dark out, you make it brighter. Yeah, Frank, I think we helped the world, you and I together. Well, we made the, we made the world a better place. I, I think you're probably half right. Okay. Uh, thank you, Brian <laughs> Kilmeade. Uh, him. Check him out, Fox and Friends. Listen to him on his nationally syndicated radio show and now see him on the, on the weekend where he's uh, killing it as well. Uh, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. Midnight.